Hi, this is C.S. Punch, author of Serene Empowerment, Spiritual Solutions for Managing Stress. Serene Empowerment is a holistic and spiritual process that I've developed for alleviating anxiety. And in this episode, I'm going to talk about the first six stages of the process. There are actually 12 stages in total, but I'm just going to go over the first six in this episode. These first six stages deal with our most important relationship, the one that we have with ourselves. The relationship that we have with our own self is our most important relationship because it's the way that we perceive ourselves which influences what we think and feel and how we behave. The relationship we have with ourselves also affects the way that we perceive other people in our life, our society and the world. Additionally, the way that we perceive ourselves affects everything we do every decision we make and influences what we think is possible for us in life. As a consequence, the way that we see ourselves can either increase our anxiety and stress or enhance our power and maintain our strength. The overarching theme of the first six stages of the serene empowerment process is serenity, the state of being peaceful, calm and untroubled. Each stage has a truth statement. Each stage also has a quality for us to cultivate and nurture in order to reduce and manage anxiety, stress and overwhelm. So here's a brief preview of the first six stages of the process. Starting at the very beginning, the truth statement for stage one is we accept that there's a powerful source within us that can provide us with guidance, wisdom, comfort and peace. The quality that we work on in stage one is our awareness. So how do we see ourselves when we're feeling stressed or overburdened or anxious? Well, when we're experiencing stress, anxiety, overwhelm or other related emotions and conditions, we often perceive ourselves as being alone. We feel isolated. Sometimes we feel that no one or nothing can help us. Our relationship with ourselves is often defined by feeling or thinking I'm alone in this and I have to cope alone. So how does the central idea in stage one, which is accepting that there's a powerful source within us that can provide us with guidance and peace and advice, how does that help us with stress, anxiety, overwhelm, depression and other anxiety related conditions? In stage one, we recognise or remember that we're never alone because of the source of wisdom within us that guides us and helps us with the stresses that we encounter in our daily life. Whatever you call this source of wisdom depends on your worldview. Some people will see it as intuition, some people will see it as God, some will see it as a guardian angel, and others will see this source of wisdom as just plain common sense. It doesn't matter what you call this source of wisdom, what's important is that you're able to tune into it whether or not you're feeling stressed or anxious. Now, the more stressed out we are, the less we're able to connect and listen and follow this source of wisdom, creative intelligence and guidance. If we're in some kind of emotional turmoil, it's almost impossible to hear or feel this guidance. So in stage one, we focus on generating relaxation in the mind and body, because the more relaxed we are, the more we're able to tune into our inner genius. And nobody is exempt from this inner genius. We all have this natural intelligence. Some of us may be more in tune with it than others. Some of us may never hear it, but we all have it as a natural part of our spiritual makeup. 
So some of us may be in tune with it, and for others of us, it may be lying dormant. This stage also involves being aware of what it is you're feeling, and then accepting, learning to accept whatever it is you're feeling, because you can't transcend what you don't accept. Moving on to stage two, the truth statement for stage two is we turn our daily life over to the care and direction of the source of wisdom. The quality of stage two is trust. So how does the central idea in stage two, that of turning our daily life over to a source of inner wisdom, help with our stress and anxiety? Well, in stage one, we've become, or at least we're beginning to become, aware of our ever-present source of guidance as a living presence within us. So in stage two, we learn to cultivate the habit and practice of turning our daily life, our decisions, our problems, worries and stressful situations over to the care and direction of this creative intelligence and healing source of wisdom. We learn to allow our life to unfold under its direction, especially if we're overwhelmed and consumed with our anxieties, worries, emotional turmoil or sadness. We turn the situation over to our source of wisdom and trust that the answers to our problems will be revealed to us in a timely fashion, in a way that's in the best interests and for the highest good of all concerned. This is the stage where we start to learn to listen to guidance and follow our intuition, then take action. Intuition can be seen as another word for inner teacher, tuition that we receive from within. We learn to follow coincidence, synchronicity and signs. We come to understand that we live in an interactive, dynamic universe that can help us if we choose to hear, understand and follow its guidance and the opportunities that are offered to us. We're now at stage three. The quality of stage three is self-recognition. Because again, these first six stages are all about self-relating and how we see ourselves. So the truth statement for stage three is, we accept that our original authentic self was created in the true nature and spirit of this source of wisdom and that we're still this original self, no matter what we've done or what we've failed to do as an ego personality. I'll repeat that again because it's a long one. We accept that our original, authentic self was created in the true nature and spirit of this source of wisdom and that we are still this original self no matter what we have done or what we have failed to do as an ego personality. Now what do I mean by terms such as original, authentic self or ego personality? Let's take the term ego personality first. So we have an idea or image of ourself which is based on what we think our core identity is. This identity could be based on our physical appearance or a health condition or our religion or our nationality, ethnicity or skin colour. This core identity could be based on our job title or a mental health diagnosis or a relationship role such as a parent or spouse, we define ourselves according to what we see is our core identity. It's a bit like a form-filling exercise. 
For example, I could define myself as British, or I was brought up as a Catholic, so I could define myself as that, or I could define myself as Afro-Caribbean, which is my ethnicity, or I could describe myself as a black woman, or I could define myself as a person of colour because my skin colour is literally brown. Or maybe I could see myself as an author, a writer. If I had children, I'd probably see myself as a mother. I've recently been in hospital. I'm recovering from a serious illness, so I could define myself as a very ill person and see that as my core identity and look at life through the lens of being a very ill person. So that's what I mean by ego personality. It's the way that you see yourself, but it's also the mask that you put on to show others. It's how you present yourself to others and how you think others see you, and it influences your actions, emotions, and your behaviour. So what do I mean by original authentic self? The original authentic self is the self that's beyond our body, beyond the mask that we present to the world. It's beyond where we live on this planet. It's beyond our social rank, our class status, our job title, and beyond all relationship positions we might hold, such as mother, daughter, sister, cousin, best friend, neighbour, co-worker, or whatever. Our original authentic self doesn't refer to our ethnicity or our ancestry or even the name that we were given when we were born or a stage name or a name that we've chosen for ourselves. Our original authentic self is nameless or I should say our original authentic self is called I am. And if you think about it in the English speaking world at least, everyone calls themselves I. You might call your best friend Sheila or Jeff because those are the names they were given at birth. But Sheila calls herself I or me, and Jeff calls himself I or me. Everyone calls themselves I or me. The nameless I is everybody's name and is the name of the original authentic self, which is pure consciousness and which was there before the birth of your physical body and which will be there after the death of the physical body. The ego personality has come and it will go. It's transient. It will change many times during our single lifetime, according to our life experiences and circumstances. But we'll always be the I, or the I am, which is not changeable and which is always here. So at this stage, it's all about recognising the I that is always there, always was there, and always will be there. The essential spiritual self that's a source of healing. It's helpful for us when we're anxious, stressed out or sad to tune into this essential spiritual self because this original self has never been anxious, stressed out, sad, wounded, traumatised, frightened. This self is aware of all these feelings but it never identifies with any of them in the way that the ego personality does. In fact, it doesn't identify with these feelings at all, but it is aware of them. So in this stage, stage three, we learn to tune into the I, which is the original self, rather than the me, which I usually describe as the ego personality. The original self is a source of power and a source of freedom from our daily problems and challenges. Moving on to stage four, 
The truth statement for stage four is we recognize that what we think creates our perception and therefore our experience of reality. I'll repeat that once again. We recognize that what we think creates our perception and therefore our experience of reality. And the qualities for stage four are non-judgment and non-attachment. Thought, thinking, is the vehicle through which we experience life. We only see what's going on in our own mind. We don't experience reality. We experience our judgments, opinions and interpretations about reality. Our beliefs and our judgments are the origin of our anxiety and stress and consequently they dictate our emotional reactions, symptoms and behaviour. A spiritual teacher and author, Regina Dornakers, teaches that what we think we see, what we see we experience and what we experience we think. I think she calls it the loop of experience or the perceptual loop, I can't remember. Basically, if we believe our thoughts and accept them as facts, we see the evidence of these thoughts outpictured, manifested as our version of reality. We feel the evidence of these thoughts. So that means we experience the effects of these thoughts, beliefs and opinions. And then we make a story out of what we've experienced, tying the story to our thoughts, beliefs and opinions. This makes our beliefs even stronger. And so the circle of perception continues. It affects what we believe about ourselves, what we believe about other people, other social groups, for example, family members, people who are of a different nationality to us or race, etc. And this circle of perception also affects what we believe about life and what we believe is possible for us. So our thoughts don't create reality, our thoughts create our experience. In our mind, we have a narrator or a commentator or a DJ host that comments and casts judgment upon everything that happens to us and everything that happens to other people. Regina Dawn Akers describes the rhythm of our ego mind as chitter chatter, chitter chatter, judge, 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 chitter chatter, chitter chatter, judge, judge, judge. And this phenomenon occurs whether we have problems with anxiety or not. Most of us have a chattering, judgy mind. In stage four, we learn to disidentify from our thoughts, not by trying to let our mind go blank or trying to impose positive affirmations on our thoughts, which can be very frustrating, particularly as a lot of the time, trying to empty your mind just doesn't work. But what we do in stage four is let the thoughts arise, but don't attach to them. And we detach from them using what I call the thought format exercise. So what usually happens when we think, when a thought arises, is we have an opinion about that thought. We have an emotion about that thought. We have a judgment about that thought. And it's the opinion and the judgment and the interpretation about the initial thought that causes stress. So what we do in the thought format exercise is we give the mind something else to do when the thought arises. Instead of analysing the thought, we look at what the format of the thought is. For example, has the thought arisen in the form of a voice, an image, a mini-movie? We distract the mind by analysing 
the format of the thought rather than the content, escaping the trap of judgment. And so we detach from the thought because if we identify with a thought, it can become our identity and then it's got us. We become a slave to that thought or belief or addicted to that thought, belief or judgment. So stage four is basically about learning not to let ourselves be controlled by the the thoughts that create anxiety and stress and depression and other related conditions. Now for stage five. The truth statement is we commit to continually forgiving and releasing ourselves from our past errors knowing that our power and healing lie in the present. The qualities for stage five are self-forgiveness and compassion for ourselves. This stage is all about self-care, self-regard and self-love. Dignity, respect for the self. This stage involves releasing ourselves from guilt and setting ourselves free from the prison of the past. We think guilt is necessary for our psyche, for us to function effectively in society. But guilt is destructive and guilt doesn't stop us from repeating the same mistakes. It doesn't stop us from our addictive behaviours and harmful thoughts. Judging others can be toxic, but judging ourselves can be even more toxic. So in stage five, we choose to focus on our conscience which is another word for wisdom, rather than guilt and self-punishment and self-harm. Stage five is particularly good for perfectionists. People who have problems with their body image can also benefit from stage five because we come to accept that our body is a symbol, a representation, a costume. It's not who we ultimately are. We're more than what's going on in our body and we're more than what's going on in our mind. We also explore, in this stage, the four universal laws of inner peace, which are surrender, release, gratitude and love. Most of us find it hard to forgive others, which is the ultimate release and one of the ultimate tools of manifesting happiness and abundance in our lives. However, if we start by learning how to forgive ourselves how to release ourselves from our past mistakes, how to stop beating ourselves up and criticising ourselves, and how to congratulate ourselves when we've done our best. We're more able to extend these gifts to others in our life. Before I move on to stage six, you'll probably have noticed that the stages so far are not directly addressing the symptoms of anxiety or depression or eating disorders or perfectionism. For example, this is because these conditions are all symptoms in themselves that have a deeper internal cause. This deeper internal cause is a feeling of separation from our true self, our consciousness. A feeling of separation from unconditional love, which is the source of our creation. And a feeling of separation and fear from other people and other aspects of creation, such as animals and plants, etc. We feel alone and isolated and unsafe, and we feel the perpetual need to defend and protect ourselves from our fear. This feeling of separation and disconnection and isolation and alienation and unsafeness can be expressed 
in an infinite number of flavours and ways. We can all live in our own personal hell, with our own personal torments, whether that be compulsive behaviour patterns, difficulty controlling anger, addiction to alcohol or drugs or anxiety. The novel, Anna Karenina, famously opens with the line, All happy families resemble one another, but each unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. In a similar fashion, we're all unhappy in our own way, but the source of our unhappiness comes from the same root, that of separation, disconnection, isolation, alienation and unsafeness, insecurity. So leaving the heaviness behind, we move on to stage six, which is a celebratory, happy stage. The truth statement is, we make a joyful inventory of all the blessings, gifts, abundance and miracles that we receive in our daily lives. The qualities for this stage are gratitude, receptivity and appreciation. This stage is a celebration of all the good that we've received. It's also a celebration and an acknowledgement of all the insights and inspirations and gifts that we've received as we've journeyed along the serene empowerment process, as well as throughout our life as a whole, before we embarked on the serene empowerment journey as well. What we focus on expands. So the more we focus on being grateful, the more we are gifted with things, people and blessings to be grateful for. So that was a brief overview of the first six stages of serene empowerment, which is all about self-relating, our relationship with ourselves, how we see ourselves and how it can cause anxiety and stress and the understandings and the recognitions that we need to cultivate in order to heal and grow and awaken. If you'd like to get more information about the 12 stages of serene empowerment, you can read the book Serene Empowerment, Spiritual Solutions for Managing Stress. It's available in online bookstores, including Amazon, in both paperback and ebook formats. Parts 1 and 2 provide an in-depth introduction to the 12 stages, and part 3 is all about applying the principles of serene empowerment to our lives with daily reflections, exercises and guided visualisations. It's a guide to engaging with the 12 stages of serene empowerment throughout the course of our day-to-day lives, focusing on one theme a week and just one topic within that theme each day. So you don't have to memorise everything as you already have a handy daily guide within the book and just one idea to reflect upon which can guide you through the day. I hope you found this helpful. If you'd like more of the same, please subscribe to this podcast. And for more information about Serene Empowerment, visit my website, sereneempowerment.co.uk. Thanks for listening.